Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. the throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby option far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sits a tackle 25 20 15 10 5 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We, uh, it's the two guys, Zach and Drake. Drake, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, in recovery mode today. Uh, my brother-in-law graduated college last night, so spent some time in Lincoln, and uh, we're in recovery mode after that. Yeah, I think I did a little bit of drinking last night, too, for a buddy's birthday party, so I completely understand the uh, (laughs) shittier than normal feeling, so (laughs) um, it is what it is. Had a nice long day outside with the uh, lawnmower and and the heat, so that's what I spent all day doing. I don't envy that at all. You know what? You sweat a lot of that shit out pretty quickly, so I uh, I, I wasn't going to argue with it too much. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I want to start with something we finished with last time on the podcast that we were both very wrong on. And that's fine because we're, <laughs> we are constantly wrong on this podcast. And, and I didn't want to, you know, I, it's kind of like what we talked about. Like, we released it so late in the week. Ryle will already commit. Should we take the the bid off? Should we leave it on at the end of the day? We just kind of <laughs> said, "Fuck it, it is what it is." Um, yeah, but you know, were you were you surprised that Rayola committed it when he did to uh, Georgia before any of the real officials took place? Yeah, I I definitely am. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's weird, and I know we'll get into this a little bit more um as we as we move through the agenda for tonight but i i really believe that you know the aftermath of the riola thing with the you know the aftermath of him committing and then um the bellevue west quarterback decommitting from missouri and committing a day or two later to nebraska i i think that shows that there's a lot of people who who really did think that that riola was 
in or Nebraska had a very good fighting chance. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any way to dispute that now because Kalen was obviously in my eyes, I could be reading this situation wrong, was under the impression that, that Raiola was, there was a very good chance he was coming to Nebraska and he was securing a spot elsewhere. Otherwise he would have, he would have hung out. Um, you know, there's several quotes out there over the last few days that, Rule had told him, hey, we're very interested in you, but we're going all in on a different 2024 recruit. And if that falls through, we are swinging for the fences with you. Like, he's 1A, you're 1B type of deal. And that that all came to fruition. So um, I think Nebraska fans should should hold their heads high. We obviously made a very valiant effort for, for DR and, you know, in my eyes, it shows that we had a legitimate shot at him. Yeah, I, I think um, with the way that everything kind of ended up with, with Ryola, I, I yeah, I, I always kind of thought that Nebraska had a decent shot to sway him. Um, it's really hard to forget what we've seen on the field the last few years and what George has put on the field the last few years has been pretty self-explanatory and what it is. Um so it's hard to commit to Nebraska right now after that juggernaut wants you. And, you know, he's going to be stepping into a, a pretty stacked quarterback room um, down at Georgia. And, you know, since we're talking about it, it, it does make me wonder because it seemed like when Ohio State was recruiting him, he wanted to be the only quarterback in the draft in the in the class. Same thing with Nebraska. It seemed like he wanted to be the only quarterback recruit in that class. But he ends up committing to Georgia who already has a top 12 quarterback in the 24 class committed and uh, Ryan Puglisi, I believe his name is. And then once he steps on campus, you got Vandegrift, Stockton and Beck mm-hmm. who already seasoned in the system. You've got five guys that are all four and five star quarterbacks ahead of you at Georgia now. Like, yeah. That's, that's, oh, a, that's a, that's an uphill battle to get snaps. Meaning, yeah, meaning for anything. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't know that he wanted to be the only recruit. I I think that was more of a recruiting analyst and us as fans on the outside looking in feeling that way. I, I, I doubt that him and his dad ever made that a, a vocal point. I think, I think that was how some teams were approaching it to show them how, show them how committed they were to him. And that could be um, the case. I, I I don't think it was ever, hey, this is a requirement to recruiting. Dylan, yeah. Is, is you can only recruit him. I just think it was, maybe it was more of what you were thinking that they just go all in. They show that with Ohio State and Nebraska mm-hmm. as opposed to Georgia that's already got another guy in the class. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing I would say too is, don't count Nebraska out down the road here. Um, you know, there's there's a quarterback playing for the Chicago Bears that comes to mind as somebody who was in at Georgia and, and transferred after a year. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of those stories out there of plenty of quarterbacks who have left places. Uh, not to say that he will or won't, but, um, you know, I, I take this back to back to the basketball world because um, that that team up here in Omaha that, that I, I cover and follow pretty closely. Um, and I know the staff, even before the transfer portal, I heard, I heard their head coach say some things like, 
at the end of the day, if you miss out on a recruit, you still like every kid that you recruit, you should have a personal connection with. And they've had some guys transfer in that they missed out out of high school that ended up coming in and being big, important players for them down the road because they maintained a relationship um, and they didn't take it personal. And I don't think rule will take this personal. The, The portal only increases your odds of that happening down the road, especially if you show success. Um, I think you so, get to recruit a kid twice or three times even. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I'm not totally sold that this is 100% a done deal for the next four years. Um, sounds like Dylan still wants to take officials. Sounds like he might still even take one to Nebraska potentially. Um, now, do I think do I think Nebraska is no longer offering him a scholarship if he decommits from Georgia? Potentially. Because uh, you can't do that to Kalen. You can't be like, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, you can't pull Kalen's now and say, well, you're you're back to 1B now. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting how this will all play out. Um, obviously, we are, as fans, disappointed for our team, but super excited for Dylan. I, I hope he goes in and wins that job day one because um, he's a classy kid, right? Um and he's a Husker legacy, and you always want to see those kids do well, whether they're at Nebraska or not. Yeah, he and, and I mean, I got called out by some uh, Missouri fans for this as well, comparing the number one quarterback in the class to, I think, the 24th or 28th. Um, you, you know, you don't get Riola in this class. Riola, as a prospect, I mean, he's pretty goddamn big for a high school junior. I mean, he's got some pretty freakish size. For his mm-hmm. age, he's got a good arm. He's got good feet. He, you know, Kalen isn't a uh, isn't as much of a fallback as some people are making him out to be. Like the kid can sling. He he's got a hell of an arm on him. He's six foot yeah. three, two hundred five pounds right now. And someone shot me a message earlier today asking if I thought he looked small. And I don't think he looks small for his size, but I feel like he's so lanky right now that it almost devalues him a little bit as a prospect. And, and of course, playing in Nebraska, he, he's a three-star quarterback. So he, he's done a lot of really good things under Huffman down at, at Bellevue West. And I Honestly, I feel like he's at least a four-star guy right now. I feel he's really undervalued. Yeah, he's definitely I, – I think he's definitely undervalued. I, I said in a group chat yesterday that um, – I think he has the potential to be a Joe Gans s guy. Not not super mobile, but can keep the pocket alive. Uh, has all the arm talent. Uh, appears to have the leadership traits that you need. Um, dude, dude looks like a gamer to me. Um, I how do I want to say this without coming off totally ignorant? Um, at a certain point. I, I've started to throw out some of the recruiting and analyst points of view and things like that. Like, look where it's gotten us over the last 15 years. So, you know, we're consistently top 25, top 35 recruiting rankings Damn right program. We are. Um, and yet we have the highest miss rate or 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 the lowest hit rate on recruits. Um some of that is misevaluation from everybody. Some of that is poor coaching, right? Um, I think Kalen DeBoer, if he if he grows into a starting quarterback here in Nebraska, uh, that is going to be 
one of the best things that can happen for this program in terms of showing their ability to develop players at key positions. And if he if he grows into you know a top four quarterback in this conference, um, that that puts us in line to get get a lot better recruits moving forward. Um, and if you grow into a top four quarterback in your conference, you know you're getting better wide receivers, you're getting better running backs, you're getting better offensive line play. So don't look at this as you know a downgrade from Dylan Riola. This might end up in the long term working out better for this program. So you brought up something during that, and I'm sure we've hit on this 50,000 times before, but what do you think, because I've got my thoughts on this, and I'll, I'll tell them in a minute, but what do you think has been the bigger problem, evaluation of talent or misevaluation of talent or development of guys? Uh, I think it's development, 100%. There's no way that everybody – Every recruiting ranking has these guys at four stars, high three stars, and everybody's wrong. And you have Wisconsin and Iowa who are continuously behind us in recruiting rankings, and they're pumping out more NFL guys. It's 100% a development issue. I I, I refuse to believe it's anything different. Um, everybody constantly talks about how in re, in real life, scenarios like getting off the bus we look like we're ready to play like we look like like a physically imposing team um we have the talent to win the west every year uh but our talent doesn't show out on the field because of lack of line play and you know rule comes in and says a couple of these guys that we've been bagging on for the last two years are legitimate nfl prospects so what does that tell you oh man that tells you so many things so many things about what's been going on inside those walls. Um, it, yeah, it, it, and I mean, we can name one because everyone's killed this guy, but Ben Hart. I mean, Ben Hart's the guy that rule flat out came and said, This is a guy that I could see playing the NFL. And if, if he can see that, then hey, mate, there's got to be something there. Um, I, I don't 100%. know what, but, but I mean, I'm going to trust rule a guy that's put multiple guys in the NFL over anyone else that's saying, well, Ben Hart just sucks. Well, if that guy can see something, there's got to be something there. Um, yeah, and not only not only has he put multiple guys in the NFL, he just left the NFL. Exactly. Then they don't just hand out, the, hand out those jobs. Regardless of how good or bad he did, he was still an NFL coach for three years. And right. it is what it is. But, uh, you know, let's let's get – Back to the big news uh, that happened yesterday, day before, or whatever. I believe it was whatever. Um, was uh, Daniel Kalen committing to Nebraska. Um, Bellevue West quarterback was committed to Mizzou, flipped quickly. It sounds like that everything took place starting Wednesday, roughly. You know, uh, Ryola committed Monday. And Wednesday they had a private workout with Ed Foley, and, they, and Satterfield actually flew up here from California to be at the workout to watch Kalen, who was without mm-hmm. his top two receivers, um, Hall and McMorris, who were at state track. So he earned his spot with, I don't want to say backup guys, but without your one and your two and you still earn a scholarship to Nebraska, I mean, they they had to see something they liked during that workout. Um, well, I, mean, I don't have the entire time. I mean, we, we've we've already talked about this, right? Like he, he was the, the second option um 
he was one one B all the way through. Like he was getting that offer no matter what. I mean, I, I don't remember who put it out there. Uh, I think I think it was a simple article. Um, and they were talking to to a coach at Bellevue West or something. And they flat out told him if if it didn't work out with the other 2024 recruit, they were going all in on him and they were going to take their best effort no matter the situation to get get him here. So I believe it was Huffman. Um, yeah, Huffman. I don't I don't think that that workout had anything to do with it. They they had the workout to get him close to a coach so the coach could, you know, reiterate that conversation that they had had previously. And, and and another good thing is it sounds like, cause obviously he's a 24 kid. So I was of the mindset that I didn't feel like Nebraska needed to take a guy in the 24 class. You know, they had McClellan uh, who's still a visitor as of right now um, in June, you get Caitlin to commit. I mean, it's just, it's kind of the cherry on the, on the, on the top for that recruiting class, isn't it? To get Caitlin to commit. I mean, it's not a necessity, but it's a nice perk to have. Well, I I think at this point you do need a 24 recruit. And, you know, I I have said um, to a couple people, tongue-in-cheek, that we didn't need one with a guy like Heinrich Harburg on the roster as a joke. Um, but you only have three scholarship quarterbacks right now. Um, you need to fill up that room. Uh, Scott Frost said it multiple times during his tenure, like every every – Power five division one team should have five to six scholarship quarterbacks, um, which is crazy to think about when really only one guy plays throughout the whole year. And if that guy's a multi-year starter, like you're just constantly backfilling guys behind him because those guys are leaving most of the time. Um, now, I will say we have a preferred walk-on quarterback in that mix too that that I think could eventually earn a scholarship in that kid that transferred in from Ole Miss um I think he has a lot of talent too uh but in reality we we have one and a half scholarship quarterbacks I'll I'll give Harburg and Purdy a, a quarter each just because Purdy has to be completely broken down from the bad things that he learned during the last staff and you know we we've talked about it we thought he was really pushing for number one last year and then when he got in you saw how far behind he really was and as special as i think harbor can be with all his physical talent um especially from a size perspective he hasn't really shown anything and he hasn't had an opportunity to show anything now i i hear a ton of great things about him coming out of camp but at the end of the day, you got to put it on the field and you got to show it. And he hasn't had the opportunity to, which is one thing. But at the same time, the opportunities he's had in the spring games, he hasn't looked great either. So you really only have one quarterback ready to go. And that that's problematic. Well, yeah, I mean, the best you could say Harburg looked during the spring game was when he went quarterback power over the left side and ripped off like a 23 or 25 yard run. It wasn't his passing. Uh, that that blew you away. It was he can be an athlete. He's a big, strong six foot five guy that can run fast. That's where he blew yeah. you away. And I I still I I I'm very adamant about this. I I think there is a world where he can grow into a starting quarterback. Here, um, he's on his third quarterback coach now. Um, I will say this: third quarterback coach is the only one that I have truly had faith in developing. I do. And I shouldn't say that up front, like, because we all thought Whipple was going to come in and, and change that quarterback room. Um, 
it turns out Whipple was more so in his twilight years of coaching and here for his retirement plan than anything. So Satterfield's still a young guy. He's a grinder. Um, and you see what he did throughout the season with Spencer Rattler last year. Uh, I do have, I do have a lot of faith in what he can do. Um, and the reason for that is because we have a sample size of Spencer Rattler pre um, South Satterfield. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a sample size of him and you saw how much he was able to grow during that season. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that kind of makes me, you know, excited for that quarterback room is, is Satterfield seems to, seems to be able to develop a guy to some degree. And, and I feel like you've got a guy back there in Jeff Sims who, who needs quite a bit of development. Um, not on a lot of things, but mainly his mechanics are the big things that I think he needs to work on just because he was a raw guy coming out, you know, to uh, Georgia tech. He seems like a guy that has all the physical tools you want, which there's NFL coaches saying, yeah, this guy's got the tools that you want. He just didn't have any help at Georgia tech. Yeah, and I, you know, they 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 run that super niche offense that doesn't really lend itself to showing true quarterback ability. Um, well, so so that's the that's part of the problem is because he was the first quarterback after the switch from the flex to the spread, um, mm-hmm. but that spread that they ran down there was a little bit closer to what. Frost ran up here with Martinez where it was it's so quarterback centric that if your quarterback goes out the whole game plan goes to shit unfortunately yeah um and and I you've seen me constantly getting the last couple of years because of it yeah and I just I think there's a place for that system to work I just don't think it works in in those power five conferences with with legitimate defense. Now, did it work in the old Pac-12 with Oregon um, when Oregon far and away had the most talent, but there wasn't a ton of stout defense with speed? Um, you know, you had, of, you, you had a couple of make hey. You you had a couple of solid solid defenses in that league with Stanford and occasionally USC, occasionally Utah since they've joined, um, but they weren't they weren't built to stop the spread either they were built to stop pro style offenses um which to me is why you see uh lincoln riley walk in and have the success he did in year one at at usc with caleb williams i mean the the pac-12 has basically turned into the big 12 in terms of you know let's just let's air it out let's get as many yards as possible and you know that's fine i i love that style of football i love watching the big 12 I've said that numerous times, but there's a reason why none of these teams are winning national titles when they get to the playoff. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think I'm crazy to say this, but I also feel like the, the uh, defensive line is is the great equalizer in college football anymore. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. Am I? Um, No, I mean, look, look at what Auburn did to Oregon in the national title. Mm-hmm. You had an SEC line going against us, a spread Pac-12 line. Yeah, those, those it, all you're doing with those wide gaps at that point is giving the, the guy a straight shot to your quarterback when they're that damn fast and athletic. And that's what the SEC is built on is, is 
I think for the most part, the Big Ten and the SEC are similar on a lot of on a lot of places. There's some places the Big Ten's better. There's some places the SEC is better. But I feel like the great equalizer in everything, and this is why you really seen the tide turn, was that defensive line from the SEC and just the freakish athletes they're able to put at too deep on some of these teams, especially your Georgias and Alabamas. Yeah, even three deep on the that defensive line. I mean. Look, let's look at Nebraska's roster right now. We have a safety from Alabama who has moved down into the linebacker spot. So he's fast enough to play safety in the SEC, and he's big enough to play linebacker in the Big Ten, but he's adding a speed element that I I don't feel like the entire Big Ten has at that linebacker position. Um, You know, your Ohio States and your Michigans have a couple of those guys, but they don't have four of them. Uh, it's so, kind of almost like that peso role that we used to see in Bo's defense where it was kind of the split linebacker safety, almost like a Gifford now. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of like a four-two-five or, yep. or a nickel. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I was thinking there. I mean, it would it, it would be just – that's what I want to see from this defense. And I've, I've talked to people about, you know, which side of this ball I, I feel a little bit more confident. It's the defensive side of the ball just because of the versatility and the guys that they have over there. Just they have so much flexibility, and there's so many hybrid guys on that defense. Well, I mean, look at the guys that we brought in to to add to what we have returning, mm-hmm. and then you look at what we have returning. Once once we simplified that defense and just kind of let those guys play football, uh, they ended up being a top thirty defense in the year under Bill Bush. So for the last nine games or whatever, they ended up being pretty good, and that's with getting blown out at Michigan. Um, yeah, I mean, and Bill, you know, Bush was really honest about that. What'd you do? I just simplified it for these guys. Uh, you, you know, you've seen how good of a player Houseman was as he got more snaps and more experience underneath his belt to the point that he got lured away by Michigan. I mean, you simplified the game plan and look, look what your athletes are able to do at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had the 60-year seniors under Chenander, and we can go back into that at some later date. But when you complicate the game to where your athletes are thinking more than they're reacting, you've got a problem on your hands. And I think we've seen that the last definitely year at Nebraska. Yeah, and I'll be I'll be the first to admit too that I I did not give enough credit to those six-year seniors. I did not give enough credit to how they carried that defense. Um because by all by all accounts, we had enough talent to replace them, but they didn't have the reps and they, they, the reps, they weren't able to do the, things. Yeah, and the understanding of the defense is a big issue when it comes to playing meaningful, meaningful snaps in Big Ten play. So, yeah, uh, you know, we we talked about Kalen committing. There's another big prospect in Nebraska, uh, Carter Nelson. He's finally getting his official set up. So he's got one at Georgia, June second. He's got another big one, June 9th, Notre Dame. And he's got Nebraska on the 23rd. So he's a Nebraska kid, I believe, born and raised. Knowing what we've got in the tight end room, do you view Carter Nelson as a must-get prospect for this class? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but... I put put him on the most wanted list. I don't put him on a must-get. Okay. I don't... I don't think anybody is a must get period. Um, now I will say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cooler on Carter Nelson in terms of how badly we need to land him. And 
that that's because it came out this week. I think it was Sean Callahan who said um, he puts the odds of Nebraska landing him at slightly above 50%. Could have been simple. I don't remember. Um, I just, I, I refuse to make anybody a must get in, in any class right now while we're in the process of rebuilding. Um, I think once we're, once we're back to being competitive, that's where you can sprinkle in a couple of must gets. Like you need this guy to round out a class or mm-hmm. you need this guy to add the missing piece, but we lack so much everywhere. No one guy can be a must get because you have to get so much. Yeah. I, I think at certain spots you do, but he's, he's a local kid. Obviously you don't want to lose anyone within your borders. You just lost one with Rezac, um just last week. My thought is it more locks down your, your, your borders to everyone else, especially some of the big guys you've got coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, your Georgia's, your Notre Dame's say, hey, you can't come into Nebraska and take whoever you want without a hell of a fight on your hands. And plus, you know, he's a top, I believe, 125 recruit in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important. Like, I, it's, it's not that it's not important. Mm-hmm. But if, if you miss, like, you – I just I look at that the blowback from not getting Dylan this mm-hmm. week, and this that's kind of why I partially is. brought it up was because of yeah. the backlash from Dylan. I you we can't put ourselves in that position with any kid. And again, you know, if he doesn't commit here, there's a chance. I mean, we just had a local kid leave Notre Dame and come back here to play fullback. Mm-hmm. So. There's, there's always the chance to get them later on down the road. Uh, first and foremost, for us to lock down our borders, we have to go and win games. Um, and I've been pretty vocal about this since on three added this to, to your ability to see things. Like, I think the distance for, for signing recruits is way overhyped, um, especially within, within our own fan base, because it's what we've been told for so long. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case and what i mean by that is you know for for a long time we were told the the pipeline to texas shut down when we moved to the big 10 and while that's partially true i also think it's partially true that we we stopped putting in all the effort into texas that we used to and we moved it to ohio and pennsylvania and yeah when you when you change your efforts you're going to lose things Um, i think we have to go get kids that can compete at this level right away and it doesn't matter where they're from. Obviously, you want to get as many in-state kids that can play at that level and you know create your own pipeline within the state. But when you have 13 winning seasons in the last millennia, uh, you know, we have 13 winning seasons, 10, 10 losing seasons in the last 23 years or whatever it is. Like we we got to get back on track before we can, you know, say, hey, we're locking anything down, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. You you went on the field, recruiting suddenly becomes a lot easier off the field. And, you know, the uh, you, you've seen it at Georgia. Georgia, you know, was able to get high-ranked high, high ranked classes for quite some time, but wasn't able to get over the hump of nine wins. They bring in smart. Mm-hmm. Look, what, look what's happened since. Like, they've, they've built a juggernaut down there. So, Nebraska just has to get back to being respected at this point. And, what that means is, uh, you know, you, you got to be able to get to bowl games. You got to be able to have winning seasons. You you do those things and you put yourself in a good spot. But um, let's 
I, I we talked about this a little bit before we got on the pod, but uh, you you seen the story that had Jeff Sims and was comparing him to a certain quarterback that was just drafted by the Detroit Lions in the name of Hendon Hooker. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of comparisons between the two quarterbacks, and a lot more than I thought. Honestly, what what are your thoughts when I say Hendon Hooker, Jeff Simpson, the same sentence? To to me, the only real similarity is is transferring from an ACC school to a program in the middle of a rebuild, mm-hmm. like. I think they are two totally different quarterbacks. Yep, from what absolutely. <laughs> I think they have two totally different skill sets. I think their development is t- going to be totally different in what each of them has to work on. Um, but I think they both are going to get the opportunity to showcase what they needed to. Um, Hendon, Hendon Hooker was a much more polished quarterback when he ended up at Tennessee, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, I believe he was... He started, what was it? I believe it was uh, 15 out of 25 games, and his touchdown to in, or interception was 22 to 7. So he didn't turn the ball over a ton. He completed, I believe it was about 63% of his passes as well. Like Hendon Hooker is almost exactly what you want Jeff Sims to be in the transfer uh, efficiency wise. Now, you brought up a good point. I, I, they are completely different quarterbacks. Sims a much, much better runner, which he's a much better runner than most quarterbacks. The, the passing just, it leaves a lot to be desired still, I believe. But I think that goes a lot to not having a great supporting staff or uh, cast around him and being yep. a raw guy coming out of uh, to Georgia Tech. Heupel, though, is, is is a tremendous play caller. So I think Hendon had that in his pocket. But the crazy thing is he was brought in to be the backup for Joe Milton as well. Mm-hmm. So I think Hendon was put in a much better spot to succeed based on what you brought up earlier, him being a more efficient passer. Uh, now, and much more I will polished say, and further down the line. Yeah. Now, what I will say is I true truthfully think – Sims has a much higher ceiling because of his lack of polish. Um, I mean, just looking at some of his game film from last year and then how he looked in the pocket during the spring game, night and day difference. Mm -hmm. And that's only a few weeks of practice and working with this staff. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can grow into over the next couple of years. Um, I, Again, I think I think his ceiling is super high. Um, I thought it was pretty outlandish for people to compare him to Robert Griffin when he hit the transfer portal. That that was a big one I saw a lot of because of his inefficiency in the passing game. Um, but it, I still think he has the tools. He just has to you know fine tune the mechanics and, and probably a little bit more of the decision making part of it too. Yeah, he he forced a lot of balls previously, but I I'd like to say everything's because of lack of talent around him. But you know, I mean, as a quarterback, you do make some bad decisions and try to force a ball or two, and he was guilty of that, especially his freshman year. I mean, yeah, and when when you are when you're trying to win games and you are, you know, really the only weapon. I mean, 
we saw it with Adrian Martinez here, right? Um, a little hero ball. For his his problem was more fumbles than anything, in my opinion. But um, you know, Jeff Sims kept them in games. Adrian <laughs> Martinez kept us in games, and then Adrian Martinez worked his way to an undrafted free agent signing with the I think with the Lions as well. Yep, I believe um, so. Because he had he now I know he spent a lot of time hurt this year, but he he was on track for a hell of a season at K State. Yeah, he he's just a dude that after all that shit that he went through, um, I really feel I, I'm I'm happy to see Martinez do well, honestly, and, yeah. and at least get a contract. I don't give a. It doesn't matter if he ever plays a down of pro football. He's still got a contract, which 99% of us will never get in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally see him as a guy that is going to be a, a really good coach down the line. Just with all the injuries, I think the injury bug is is taking his best years from him, unfortunately. But it's still yeah. great to see him get that 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 contract. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think he could work himself into potentially, now probably not for as long, but I think he could work himself into like a Chase Daniel type of role in the NFL where he's a backup for a little bit. Um, I mean, he's definitely again, smart enough to get to there. Yeah, not not for as long of a, of a period of time, but he has a lot of tools that that scouts covet. Now, he, you have, he has to fine-tune them. He never really got the opportunity to fine-tune them. He never really showed a progression here at Nebraska. Now, is that is that on coaching? Is that on him? Probably a mixture of both. Um but again, you know, I, I hate to go back to it, but you heard Jojo Doman kind of go in on the last staff a couple of weeks ago in an interview about how bad of leaders they were. So I tend to give guys like Adrian Martinez more benefit of the doubt than I used to. And I, Adrian is a guy I gave a ton of benefit of the doubt to. Oh, yeah. I, I, th- I don't think you're the only one that did that. I know I was guilty of it myself just because a lot of the problems that I seen with Adrian didn't originate originate with with Adrian. A lot of them seem like they were coming from above his head, whether it be play calling, uh, just the way the quarterbacks were being developed. And I've said this numerous times. If one of your quarterback makes a decision, okay, that could be just a quarterback making bad decisions or a bad decision maker. When every one of your quarterbacks makes the same goddamn mistake, no matter who's in, that's something that's being taught to them at that point. That's a systematic mm-hmm. error. Yeah. One hundred percent, and we've seen it. It didn't matter. It didn't seem to matter which quarterback was in. There was the same systematic errors we've seen the last four years. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to see a lot of those quarterbacks because yeah. they were always hurt. Yeah, and unfortunately, they they were always dinged up quite a bit there. But yeah, I I, I thought I just thought it was a really interesting comparison. Other than like the the points that we brought up, I didn't see a ton of. of crossover um as far as hen and hooker sims uh, they both have really good arms uh sims a better runner uh hooker a better passer but do you think with the talent that jeff sims has he can be the and i i'm sure i'm gonna get hate for these names can he be the tommy armstrong or the um taylor martinez that nebraska needs essentially a winning quarterback that can make plays for Nebraska. Ooh, ooh. Because um, I know those guys got a ton of hate while they were here. But looking back on their play, they, man, those guys were playmakers. Sometimes it was for the other team, but they made plays. So so I'm a huge Tommy guy, just like I was Adrian. Um, 
I'm a huge Tommy. Do oof. If I had to pick somebody for Jeff Sims to most resemble, and not I, so much I, he's got to resemble, but just those kind of quarterbacks that that put the team, yeah, on, no, put I, the team on the shoulders. I I would probably go farther back, and I would I would say if you can make Jeff Sims closer to year two of Jamal Lord. Okay, I was wondering if you're going to bring up Lord or not. Yeah. Just because I think they're built the same. I think they have a lot of the same tools. Um, I've long said that Jamal Lord is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks of, of the last, you know, 25 years. Um, I think, I think if you can get Jeff Sims to perform at, at year two of Jamal Lord, that that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good job. Well done there. Okay. So I got one more question for you, and this is going to be, and I'm not going to hold you to this, but if I give you right now that Nebraska wins six games on the year, do you take it? Yeah, I do. Um, Look, there's going to be a market correction somewhere, right? Like um, if there is a team, if there's a power five team, with more upside and a better time to buy low than Nebraska, point them out to me. Um, I, yeah, that, that's pretty fair to me. <laughs> I, I, I've said I've said numerous times there's going to be a market correction in in this sport. There has to um, be in the, multiple the ways. Got to bounce the other way. There, there's going to be a market correction in terms of our luck because of how many games we've lost due to sheer bad luck. There's going to be a market correction in terms of us just winning games versus not winning games because that's how this sport. I mean, Alabama went through some down years. Georgia went through some bad years. Notre Dame, Michigan, Tennessee. Um, You name it. Yeah, I mean, now do I think we ever get back to like where Georgia and Bama are today? Probably not. Absolutely. I I don't (laughs) look. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now, and somebody's gonna come in and tell me I'm wrong. Um, and, and I hope you do, but look, I have said this for a couple of years now, and I think this is how it's going to go. Once this playoff gets expanded to 12 and then let's be honest, eventually it's going to get to 16, right? Yeah. Once you get to 16, if you, if you are Nebraska and you can sneak into that 16 or 12, a couple of times in five years. That's kind of what happened for Georgia, right? Then Georgia started getting some of the guys that Alabama used to get. And that's, that's kind of saying. how you don't have to be a top field. four team. You just got to be a top 15 team at this point. Yeah. If you want. And so I, I truly believe that once Georgia and Bama fall off this pedestal of being 1A, 1B all the time, you're never going to run into complete dynasties like this again because. The transfer portal and the expanded playoff is going to make it so easy to keep the competitive balance high. Like, think think about it this way: Nebraska gets into a playoff in 2028. Let's just say 2028. We lose we lose right away. But the team who beats us has four or five five stars that aren't playing their freshman year. We lose a close game for whatever reason or, or however it works. Those guys. You know, new recruits coming in, they're still at the bottom of the depth chart. Those guys are going to leave and they're going to want to go somewhere that is still going to be competitive and have a shot to play that team again. Well, the team that you just knocked out of the playoff is is first on that list. Yep. And there's usually a lot of spots open up at these rebuilding programs, which at that point, I mean, you're you're 
turning a little bit more into a machine, but you still got to have the depth at that point. And um, Nebraska hasn't even been able to recruit the depth at this point. Yeah. I, I just, I just think once we, once we hit the 12 team and then the eventual 16, because I, I think that's where this is all headed. I can't um, wait for it. I'm so excited. Competitive balance is going to be now it's going to be really hard to crack into that top 25 once that happens. Because if you're consistently in that top 25, you're getting, you know, the haves and the have-nots. Yep. But if you are there when that happens and you are consistently there, then you, you know, slowly level up. It's it's a lot like real estate. Like, you don't you don't buy your first house at $1.5 million. You, no, you buy you, a, a dump at, at first and work your way up. Yeah, then you sell, then you buy, then you sell, then you buy. And, like, there's levels to it. Um, and we, we just got to get back to competing for – for division titles. Yep. And once we're, once we're consistently competing for division titles, then we go for conference titles. Then we go for playoff appearances. Yep. You got to win your side of the division at this point or, or win the big 10 at this point to be yep. uh, dangerous but in the national title picture. <clears throat> with, with the college playoff, like in theory, I mean, when did, this is the last year of a 14 playoff, then it goes to 12. Yep. Then it bumps next year, I believe. There, there is a legitimate possibility that a rebuilding program like Nebraska could be in that 12-team conversation by year three or four of Matt Rule. There, there's a legitimate possibility. You just have to win. You just have to be a top four team in that conference. I don't. If it doesn't happen by year, I hate doing this. If it doesn't happen by year three, I don't think it does happen. Just, just see, under rule. No, see. I, I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that. I getting into the actual years, year three or after this is year zero, year three, because no, this is the, year one. This okay. is year one. But to me, like the playoff conversation and winning the conference title conversation are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You have, you have to be in a position to potentially win your conference by year four under rule. Absolutely. Um, now that means if you finish third, but like, how big is that spread? How bad did you get beat by the conference champion or the, the second place team? Like, those are all contributing factors. But like, I think if you are not legitimately in the playoff hunt by year, I I, I think it's going to take seven to eight years to be a legitimate contender for the playoff consistently. Um, and when I say consistently, I mean two out of three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just but, think I mean if, we get we get bow eight years. Why? And that's not to say that you fire rule after three years. But what I'm saying is, if you're not knocking on that top twenty five, top twenty door at year three, we've got some problems, and it might not get to where people think it can get to at that point. What are yeah. the highs at that point? But my, I guess my my difference in opinion, or I guess reading the situation is, in reality, you could be a top twenty team and not be knocking on the door of the playoff. That's fair. I, but I feel like when you expand to 12 at that point, you are. If you're in the top 20 or you're at that 20 spot, you just need a few things to fall, right? You technically are knocking at the door of the playoff picture. But if, you, if you're if you at top 20, you're, you're probably a three-loss team. Right now you're dealing with Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, let's, the Big Ten's going to be lucky to get two in. Or they should get two in. I think they'll be. I think they'll guarantee a two, but I don't know if they'd get three. Yeah, 
And that also and so, depends on what Ohio State can do if they start I, to dwindle off a bit too under day. I, I think the biggest outlier in this situation is what does USC bring when they get here? Yeah, that's they've got the athletes. It seems like they are starting to develop that Big Ten mindset with what you've seen in the transfer portal. Um, and a lot of these yeah. big time guys that they've gotten on both sides of the line, offense and defense, it seems like they have a plan of what they want to do going forward, which something Nebraska did not do going to the Big Ten. Um, it, it, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, a- absolutely. They're they're getting ahead of it. Um, I think. I guess I think you could Nebraska, have I think Nebraska and Illinois are like the two case studies that they're looking at for. How can we come in and be successful? Illinois hires Brett Bellema, and you know they are competing for. They're looking at conference title potentially very early mm-hmm. in his tenure, year two. And you are looking at Nebraska, who has just completely fallen off because we've, to an extent, refused to conform to what the conference is. Yep, Nebraska tried to be different from the start. Under for well, I'm under previous coaches, but um, yeah, it seemed like Nebraska never wanted to buy into the three, you know, the back that's three yards in a cloud of dust, mm-hmm. or the big bulky offensive lines. It was we're going to throw the which ball is so around. crazy to me because we've had the running backs for that. I mean, you yeah. had at, at you had Cody Glenn at one point who eventually moved to defense, Divina Zigbo. Um, there's Honestly, a and more. the lines were not bad. You had the offensive line play too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't I mean, always, but you had it there for a there's while. There's plenty of guys. Dude, and you know what's crazy to me? We, we've we been bitching about offensive line as a fan base for for 15 years. Yep. But look how many offensive linemen we've pumped into the, the NFL. I mean, one of the guys that was hated during his tenure here was Alex Lewis, and Alex Lewis is still in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's not a talent thing at this point that, that – and we can't say that because we've had offensive and defensive lines both go in the NFL and play to a second and third contract in some cases. Yeah. I mean, you got Jared Crick and Dominic Sue, like both Crick, Davis Crick didn't last a, a huge amount of time, but yeah. Uh, and actually I think he's back in Nebraska coaching now. Crick is kind of interesting, but um, um, I just said, Who's who's the guy who had the great mustache? Oh, um, it wasn't Stilly. He's with uh, the Bucks. Shit, uh, you talking about Desiris? Yeah, Ross Desiris is coaching. In oh, Nebraska. is he? Okay. Um, I he did believe, have a fabulous mustache. I believe he is at uh, Midland. I mean, it's, it's good to see these guys landing on their feet and uh, getting some kind of gig in yeah. coaching. Yeah, Russ is coaching at – last I heard, Russ Desiris was coaching at Midland University. Nice. Well, good on him. Um, yeah. I got about – well, I got one one more thing, and then I'm, I'm good for the night. But um, top 100 players in college football. So the top two names on here, you can probably guess who they are. But they've got Caleb Williams, number one, and Drake May, number two. Now, taking your bias for his name out of this, who would you pick, Drake May or Caleb Williams, if you had to start a football team? Mm. 
Just because you share the name doesn't mean anything, Drake. I, I'm just I'm a huge Drake May guy. To take the name out of it, like, (laughs) um, like for there's two two reasons. One, um, I kind of the Caleb Caleb Williams antics in the Pac-12 championship did love with the uh, fuck you on his fingernails to Utah. Um, Yeah, they took exception to that or seem to. Yeah, I just feel like I've heard so many great things about Drake May's leadership that I haven't necessarily heard about Caleb Williams. Not to say that he is or isn't a great leader. It's just what I've heard. Um, I think Caleb Williams is so electrifying. But uh, Drake May earned a, a ton of respect from me when his offensive coordinator left North Carolina and he, he stayed at North Carolina. Now yeah, he was trying to you know, coach too. His his brothers, like his brother, played basketball in North Carolina. His, North Carolina is like a family school for them, and it was always his dream school. But um, you know, when you put up the numbers that you do with that offensive coordinator, and you have a shot to go to a school like Wisconsin that has been very competitive and been knocking on the playoff door a few times over the last decade, uh, and your offensive coordinator is going there to take over the show, like. It is really hard to turn that down. Um, he just he earned so much respect for me for that that uh, I it's hard for me to believe that nobody on that team will 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 not follow him into into war. Yeah, um, you know when North Carolina got him over Alabama, that was a huge steal for for Mac Brown uh, to get made to North Carolina. Like you said, a family school and one that he dreamed of going to, but still a huge get. And I mean, he balled out last year. I mean, you've seen it by him being on the Heisman watch list as a, was he, he was a red shirt, right? Or was he a true freshman last year? I believe, I don't know. Now I got to look it up. Yeah, because I, I just couldn't remember if he's a true or if he's a redshirt. But the way he balled out, I mean, the, the kid has crazy good mechanics. He's got an NFL body right now. He makes all the throws you want. Um, under Longo, did some really good things in that air raid they ran down there. Yeah, He's a tremendously yeah, talented kid. He was sophomore last year. Oh, shit. Okay, wow. So, yeah, this will be his last year, and he's going to go pro. Uh, I'm going to go Williams, though, honestly. I just – I love what May does. I think Williams just has that extra, that extra little bit about him. Uh, you know, he, he's got the legs that May doesn't have. Uh, May a little bit more statuesque, but you know, Williams was able to just do some things against like Notre Dame on scrambles and different things, and just was able to make plays and kind of will that team to wins. I think he's a tremendous quarterback, and I mean, there's a reason when he, when he won the Heisman last year. I don't know. He, he seems like a guy to me that's talented enough to go back to back. Does he? Yeah, no, he definitely is. He definitely is. Um, I don't know. Like here, here's the kicker for me. Here's here's the kicker for me. Is it the Lincoln Riley effect? I mean, he's had tremendous success with every quarterback he's worked with at this point. So it does seem like it's more of a system than anything, but it's not like he's got bums to work with either. Let's look at his, his quarterbacks prior, like Spencer Rattler was good. He's not Caleb Williams. Good. 
Absolutely not. Um, Jalen Hurts, stud in the NFL. Yeah, Hurts is just a weird case study considering what he was able to do. Yeah, Kyler Murray. Uh, more athlete what's he, what's than anything. Yeah, I mean, outstanding at Oklahoma. He's, he does two- does put up some pretty good numbers here and there in the NFL, but I, I and he doesn't blow your socks off. It is 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 the Kyler Murray NFL thing? Is that lack of discipline or is it lack of size? Like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield both like there there could be other reasons for their their lack of total NFL production. Well, Kyler Murray's uh, three foot tall. Yeah. But Kyler Murray also has one of the best wide receivers in the league. Something that Baker Mayfield really never has had. That's true. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Like, I, I think Jalen Hurts is special. I think Caleb Williams is obviously very special. I think K- Caleb Williams is is a stud. Um, but when I don't know, there's just something about Caleb Williams for me that makes me question i don't know if it's his leadership or or his commitment to to the team or or whatever it is to i there's just there's just something there that i'm i'm pumping the brakes on um and i don't know like i they're both great quarterbacks i i think they're both going to have nfl futures obviously i think i think they're probably going to go one two in the in the draft in terms of quarterbacks this next year i just i think it just depends on which style you appreciate more or which style you like more honestly with your quarterback yeah so here here's the thing that and maybe maybe this is more so what worries me about caleb williams when it comes to an nfl franchise the overwhelming majority of elusive um and dual, not necessarily dual threat, but quarterbacks that that have the athleticism that Caleb Williams has, it it doesn't seem to translate as well to the NFL. Um, yeah, you got your because everybody percenters. on the NFL field is fast, fast right? Yeah, yep. Um, now that's not to say it can't because it worked out for Jalen Hurts. Um, Patrick well, Mahomes he- is a great guy at keeping play alive, plays alive. I- but I don't think Patrick Mahomes is as, as as athletic as Caleb Williams. No, I, I feel like Hurts is a little bit more of a on the side of Mahomes, and he can beat you with his legs, but he's developed so much as a passer. What uh, maybe more? I I see Williams is kind of a hybrid between a Jalen Hurts and a Lamar Jackson almost, where he's gonna. God damn, that's that's still not fair. I don't know who to compare Caleb Williams to, I guess. Because I think Jalen Hurts is closer to Lamar Jackson than Caleb. I, I think Jalen Hurts is closer to Lamar than, than Caleb Williams is. Yeah, maybe. Be- yeah. And and here's why. Because Jalen Hurts can take the beating that Caleb Williams can't. Caleb Williams isn't big enough to take that beating. No, Hurts is Hurts is built like a running back right now. And, I mean, he's built to take that, and that's that's what they've used him for. Um yeah, I, I, I guess if I had to, yeah, it's I guess it's hard to compare Williams to anybody right now, at least for me, because yeah. he does he does a lot of things well. 
You you know who I, I just, would compare him to? I think he's closer to Justin Fields. Okay. I just he's a guy that's so I don't want to say delicate. That's not fair. But you've seen when he takes shots, he is he's able to be injured. I don't want to say easily, but he, he can't take the shots that you necessarily want, which concerns me as an NFL franchise, I guess. And I, and I think I think comparing him to Justin Fields is is also undervaluing his arm talent. I, I think he has tremendous arm talent. Um, but I I thought Justin Fields had tremendous arm talent coming in. Now is Justin Fields, you know, handcuffed by by his franchise probably to an extent. Um, hell, you know, you know who else Caleb Williams could could be likened to is uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I think he's a lot closer to Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence than I do think he is like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's that's a good. I guess if you took a Fields and a yeah, and you kind of combine those two, I think that's kind of the quarterback you get. That's that's yeah. that's that's a good comparison because I, I think I he think does a little bit of takes a little bit from both their games honestly yeah i i just don't know that he has the all-around talent to to carry a franchise like the eagles were down bad until jalen hurts took over um yeah god the chiefs weren't really down bad but they weren't who they were until patrick mahomes took over no, it's that's um, that that freak that kind of sets you aside because his arm strength is on another level and he sees the game at a different level yeah, um, I, you, oof. as much as I hate Patrick Mahomes because he puts ketchup on steak, um, that is an, an insanely impressive dude. And what like he processes the game at a whole nother level. Um, he processes the game like Tom Brady, but is immensely more physically talented. Yeah, it, it sucks to see when it happens to your team in the Super Bowl, but what can you do? Yeah. Well, Drake, I, I don't have anything else tonight, man. You got anything? No, I'm good, brother. Buy awesome. stock. Buy stock now. Buy stock. Buy stock now in Nebraska. That's right. Uh, also, don't forget, we've got our uh, gear now on the Herd at website. So, uh, we do. Hats, T-shirts, mugs, all that kind of cool stuff. We'll post the link if, if you missed it. But, uh, yeah, we've seen that last week and got another big announcement coming up here probably early this week as well. So we'll get that going. But thanks for joining us here tonight, everybody, on Church of the Corn. We appreciate it for Drake, myself. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Herd at Sports Network production. Herd at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Herd at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Herd at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Herd at Sports Radio.